five, four, three, two, one. Boom, we're live. The G Meek MMA show is back. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, everyone. It is your host, Gabriel Hernandez here. It is 9 11, 2018, also known as September 11th, 2018. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back for episode 154 of the G Meek and Rame Show. Great to be back. It's Tuesday, September 11th. Excuse me. I meant to say it like that. But um, yeah, we're back. You got a great show. I'm still huffing and puffing from last weekend. UFC 228 was a fucking barn burner. That was, I don't even know where the fuck to start today. Uh, the, the the night after, I was processing every damn thing so much to the point where I, I, I engulfed in tears. I burst into tears kind of watching all the fights. I'm just like, from the start to the finish, you know, the fights that I watched, they're all fucking amazing-ass performances. The OC 228 was a banger. Arguably card of the year. That was my fa- favorite card of all time, to be honest with you. That was my favorite card of all time. I mean, from Diego Sanchez to Jim Miller. You see what Jim Miller did? Jim Miller. Um, Tyron Woodley. Jessica Andrade's one-punch knockout of uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Um, Al Jermaine Sterling's performance. Jeff Neal's performance. Spectacular head kick knockout over Frank Camacho. Good fucking lord. Tyron Woodley's submission victory over Darren Till. By the way, never would have thought that Tyron Woodley would have won by submission. I thought he was going to win. I knew he was going to win. But I didn't know he was going to win by submission. Especially not a Darce. Not a Darce trick. We haven't really seen Tyron Woodley utilize his submission skills, you know, because he's too busy knocking people out. But yeah, it was an amazing card, like, from top to bottom. And also, Zabit Magomed Sharipov looked absolutely stunning as well. It's like, if you're the matchmakers, how the fuck can you tell who is getting fight of the night, performance of the night? Oh, Tatiana Suarez. Oh, Suarez. Um, Jess Neal. Al Jermaine Sterling. Zabit Magomed Sharipov, Tyron Moody, Jessica Andrade. So all of these, all of them look fantastic. So I, I think personally they should give everybody a fucking bonus because that was an insane night and that was one of my favorite nights that I've ever been a part of as a fight fan and as a human being. I just think there was there's nothing that matches UFC 228. It was absolutely stunning. For sure, we lost Nico Montano versus Valentina. We'll also get into that a little bit later. Uh, but it's an it's an unfortunate thing, though. But like, I don't think we did a rundown on today's lineup. What we're going to be talking about mainly it's just UFC 228. I feel I owe it to this the UFC 228 to this podcast because it was a, it was an amazing night. It was a historic night for me personally. It was amazing. Every fucking fight, except a couple, maybe. Was was a barn burner. I mean, maybe you know, all respects to Diego, but you know, it, it was a performance that he needed. So, in, in all, it turns out, in all areas, it turns out perfectly. You know, he wins unanimous decision. You know, gets another win under his belt. Defeats Craig White impressive fashion. Unanimous decision, though. You, you beat the she beat the fuck out of him on the ground. And how about those up kicks? You know, every time White was throwing those up kicks. I was like, ooh, he's going to get caught. This guy's going to have a knockout win over Diego Sanchez from an upkick. It was an, it was insane. But, yeah, overall, it was a solid night. And, I, honestly, as, it's a morning time, but usually I'm like, <coughs> excuse me, I'm way more pumped up. I am pumped up. That was a stellar card. I can't get over that shit. I think mean, Jim Miller winning in, like, the first two minutes. I mean, that knockdown. And that follow-up shot, Jim Miller jumps and pounds away on Alex White, you know, eventually locked, locking in the rear naked choke victory. You know, it's always the best and impressive finishes when you hit someone with strikes and you finish the fight with submission. It's like, you know, Nate did it to Connor, Jim Miller did it to Alex White. 
And Frank Mir did it to Czech Congo, if you remember. He knocked him down with strikes and choked him out unconscious. So it's, it's my favorite way to, to win. It's, a, it's an extreme way to win. And that's what I felt. I felt that it was an extreme way to win. And, you know, Jim Miller, he looked good. Uh, Jet, like I said, Jeff Neal looked absolutely. Let me talk about Jeff Neal because Jeff Neal, I had never seen him fight before. But I was telling my grandpa the other day that if you didn't ever watch mixed martial arts and you turned on UFC 228 at the bar or anywhere else, you would be wowed. Because every single performance that we watched on the main card was fucking barn burners. Barn burners in a good way for anybody that took that the wrong way. Because it was absolutely amazing. When have we ever seen one-punch knockouts? In the women's division, other than Chris Cyborg. I mean, she's kind of like, you know, lately she's been like a barrage of punches and stuff. And, you know, she went the distance with Holm and, her, and I think her, one of her last fights. And, you know, she, so she didn't really, she hasn't, she knocks people out. She's the Mike Tyson. She's been called the Mike Tyson MMA. But if you look at Jessica Andrade, give that girl a title shot. Give Tatiana Suarez a title shot. That is a future world champion right there. The domination that she did against Carlos Barza, you know, those nasty elbow strikes in the ground, she just dominated her from start to finish, you know, compared to a female version of the UFC lightweight champion, Habib Nurmagomedov. And she's not far from it. That's the thing. She's not far from it. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a crazy performance. It was uh, performances, I should say, and I, I will never forget that night, and I, I was in tears. Like, I was so happy, you know, emotional over how good of a damn card that was. You know, everybody looked good. I was telling people, every single one of these fuckers that won on that card, I want to see them fight again. Because you got a batch of people that are absolute monsters. I mean, Dallas fighters can fight. I want to see Jeff Neal back tomorrow. Well, yeah, I was going to go back to what I was saying about Jeff Neal. Like, his punches were so precise. And the way he popped that left hand, like, pop, pop, pop. It's almost like you push a button and it just fires, fires off, like a shot fires. You know, his technical, his striking was so technical. I enjoyed his movement. I, you know, obviously Frank Camacho's as tough as they come too, and he wasn't giving up. You know, I had a couple of times that I thought he was going to wilt from it, or uh, you know, he was going to, you know, especially after Jeff landed that little flying knee, that was crazy. I thought he was done after that. I, I, I thought it was done in the first round. You know, I had, initially I had thought that Jeff knocked him down with an elbow, but I just kind of I looked at the uh, the replay and it was like a left hand. He dropped him with the left hand, and and then. Uh, it, it, he just kept his head so perfectly, like, like, I don't know how, like, he kept him so crisp and stuff, and, he, he, he kept him so crisp and so, you know, technical, like, he, he I, don't, I can't describe it, I can't describe how, I can't describe how he looked, but he's just so technical, the most technical person I've probably ever seen, like, his movement was so good. You know, he was, he was fast. His counter shots are off the chart. That was probably one of the some of the fastest counters I've ever seen. It was picture-perfect striking. He looked absolutely amazing. And you think about, I don't know if it's the fact that the entire UFC 228 card was absolute one of the best cards of the year. If not, <coughs> arguably, in my opinion, I feel that it's either the best card of the year Honestly, I don't feel like anything's going to top that because if you fast forward to later on this year, yeah, we have some exciting fights. Yeah, Return of McGregor, the biggest star in UFC. Yeah. Yeah, we have all these different people. Yeah, there's a lot of great fights coming up. But as in performance-wise, I mean, usually when we get big cards, you know, we get a series of good fights, a couple of good fights on the main card, a good couple of good cards on the prelims, undercard, fight pass. We get good performances, but... Back to back to back to back like that, and one was better than the other. They're all so much better than the other. Jessica Andrade's knockout over Carolina. Oh my god, that was a scary. Did you see the way she fell? 
Do you see Jeff Neal's head kick knockout? Did you see the way Frank Camacho fell? Did you see the way Aljamain Sterling pulled off that very slick submission? It was like the exact same one later on that Zabit Magomed Sharipov implemented. I don't know if he was watching the fight, but he happens to do that same move, except a lot less painful version, in my opinion. That that one Aljamain pulled off was nasty. I, I, I got. I think Dana was pissed because he couldn't. He, he, he had to put. He, he had to give everyone the fucking bonus, because that was insane. That was an insane night. I will never forget that night. And I, I don't know where to start, honestly. I can't even tell you which one was my favorite performance. Jeff Neal looked good. Uh, you know, Sanchez, like I said, it was a unanimous decision. He needed that win. So, overall, that's good for him. I, 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 that was one of the few fights, you know, even though it went the distance, wasn't the most exciting fight ever. If you're a Diego Sanchez fan and you follow his career deeply, then you, it, should, it shouldn't matter to you whether or not if you won. Or if the way he won. As long as he won is the most important part. So congrats to Diego Sanchez. I just got done listening to Jim Miller on the Ariel Hawani MMA show. And I did not know he was battling Lyme disease up until they talked about it. It was it's a crazy thing. You know, dealing with that. Having it be a part of your life every single day. You know, taking a long, long time. He said to himself, it's a long thing to get rid of. And you don't just get rid of it overnight like a sickness or anything. It's like legit. You gotta, you gotta take medicine for it, vitamins, and you know. He said it's cleaned up his lifestyle, and I think Jim, on his thirtieth fight inside the octagon, looked better than he's ever looked. As crazy as that sounds, as crazy as many fights he's had. He's had thirty fights. He's the first person to make it thirty fights, and I'm just thinking in my head, thirty fights. 30 fights inside the UFC octagon. 30 different walks to the octagon. And Jim Miller's never pulled out of a fight, just, just for anybody that has, doesn't know. He hasn't ever pulled out a fight. So so it's, it's really, really impressive. Like I, I still can't get over that. I, have to, I, I, almost, like, I feel like I have to talk to someone about it. I'm going to be talking about this for a long time. Honestly. I mean, we got October 6th. Next, uh, next month, we got UFC uh, 229, return of the champion. Former former two-time champion Conor McGregor. We got the return of Habib Nurmagomedov in a long-anticipated fight. Obviously, we're you know over a, a couple of, like more a little bit over four weeks away from it, and you know anything can happen. But in reality, I'm just praying for the best and hoping for the best. I don't even know where to start, honestly. I, I, we started everywhere. We talked about we talked about all of it. So now, okay. If I'm not too overwhelmed by everything and don't know where to start, I'm going to start in the women's uh, strawweight division, title contention-wise. Jessica Andrade should get the next shot at... That's such a hard one. Andrade and Tatiana Suarez, it's a kind of a tie between both of them. I really kind of don't know who I said, who I think should get the shot. But in reality, if you look at it, of how impressive it is and the landscape of it and, and, and the fact that we don't see too many knockouts like that and the way that she fights, I mean, she's ferocious. She's been compared to Vanderlei Silva for like the longest time. Um, and she's like the female version of Mike Tyson knocking people out and she's known for knocking people out. So it's, it, it, it's a crazy thing. It's a, it's a crazy thing. Um, you know, she's female Mike Tyson anyway. You know, the, the smaller one, obviously. You got Chris Cyborg in the mix. Chris Cyborg, obviously, is, is by all means, is the women's Mike Tyson MMA. She's her barrage of strikes, the crazy ferociousness that she has. She hurts you, she smells blood, she goes after you. And no one's wanting to fight Chris Cyborg because she's got some lethal hands. She's got some lethal power. She has the power of a man. So she's going to fuck you up. She's gonna knock you out, and she's gonna hurt you. It's not gonna be nasty. It's not gonna be nice. It's gonna be brutal. It's gonna be. It's gonna be overwhelming. And, and Chris Cyborg makes it hard for you to fight. So I all respect Chris Cyborg. But right for right now, I feel Jessica Andrade is the, the smaller female version of Mike Tyson. I mean, I've never seen Carolina get starched like that. I've never seen anybody 
in the women's division like that. You know, last time I seen a crazy women's knockout probably had to be the number one knockout in UFC history has to be Holly Holm over Ronda Rousey. So title-wise, based off his performances, based off the magnitude, I feel that Andrade gets it. If Andrade doesn't get it, I think you put Suarez and Andrade as a co-main or a main event for a title eliminator. Title eliminator, how does that sound? Title eliminator, and um, I think that it would make for a fantastic fight. Because it's rare. This is a rare feeling to be a part of, you know, all these performances. But then you happen to have two females that fight in the same exact division. And it's hard to imagine it. You know, Habib did have to work a little bit for his title shot. He finally got one against Alquinta, becomes the undisputed UFC lightweight champion, and has yet to defend it. So Habib, Habib, uh, you know, is, is, is very dominant. He's a very dominant grappler. Uh, he's putting it all together. He's knocked people out. He's, he, he smothers them. He submits them. He takes them down. He beats them up on the floor. He does this ferocious pace. He doesn't get tired. And, you know, remnants of Tatiana Suarez's performance on Saturday. She did the exact same thing. She utilized wrestling when she needed to. Anytime Carla would get away from it, you know, separate, get up off her feet, she went right back to it, her bread and butter. And if you know, she's like, I think bronze medal, uh, uh, bronze has bronze medals in freestyle Olympics. I think 2008. So I'm correct. I'll check my facts, facts in a little, little bit. But um, you know, she's a dominant wrestler. She chained all of her wrestling together. She took her down, and not only did she take her down, but she beat her up with elbows. She hurt her with elbows. She hit her with elbows, nasty elbows. Those are some ferocious elbows. You know, I always thought. Suarez was a 135 pounder. She arguably looks like she could fight at 135 pounds. That's just how dominant she looked. That's how big she... I always thought she was a big 115 pounder. I mean, if you look at her versus Rose or her versus Jessica Andrade, which is still, that's a fight I'm leaning behind. That's something I really want to see because I think the pace and, and the ferociousness of Andrade causes a lot of people to will. It causes a lot of people to break. It causes a lot of people to crack under pressure because she's always pressuring you. She's always coming forward. When she lands a punch, there's more punches to come. I look at Carolina throw maybe a couple combinations. Boom, 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 boom. Jessica Andrade fires back six more. Ferocious one. She hurt her in the first round. She, she, uh, she had her in trouble. You know, Carolina came back briefly and a little bit later on, I think it was a left hook, drops her, and she just starches her in one punch, and it's all over. She, there's no follow-up shots. Uh, really glad that the referee has seen that, and, you know, I didn't want to see any more unnecessary damage, especially not because I have a softer spot for women, mixed martial artists. So I didn't want to see any extra damage happen. So Doug Rose Namajunas versus uh, Jessica Andrade would be a great sell. would be a great fight for the female mixed martial art for female mixed martial arts. And one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why is because, is you know, it was a good performance. It was a phenomenal, dominant performance by uh, Suarez. But, you know, people like knockouts. People go for knockouts. And, and, and the fact is that, you know, we got a knockout. We got a beautiful one-punch knockout. We've got a girl who's very successful at 135 pounds and and some that's a huge cut though you think about it 115 and 135 I don't really think about how big of a gap that is but yeah we had a girl who's very successful she was just small she was smaller than a lot of the 135 pounders and then uh so it was kind of like a I don't know it's a mismatch for her, I mean, she would lose. She would lose fights because she's just simply too tiny for the weight class. So she made the proper, proper, uh, proper adjustments. She made the cut to 115 pounds. She looks absolutely amazing. She says her hands are faster than ever. She looks phenomenal, and you know the future's bright for Jessica Andrade. I'm looking at the UFC, hopefully having one more women, uh, a title, women's title fight before the year's up. Could be Rose versus. Um, 
on Josh, that would be a sellable fight. But then again, what do you do with, uh, with Tatiana Suarez? I don't know. It's a hard decision. Maybe make that main event. If Rose isn't healthy. If Rose is, is dealing with neck issue currently, I don't know the status of it. If she's dealing with a, a, a neck issue, then why don't we make a fight to determine the number one contender? Who really is there in that in that division? Who really is there to uh, know that that uh, moves the needle and and as a good sellable fight? Something else has popped in my head, but you know I think that it's on Josh, and I think that's the fight to make. All right, moving on. So, Darren Till comes up short against his bid to win the welterweight title from Tyron Woodley. You know, kind of, you know, had no answer for the grappling game of Tyron Woodley. And and it's all right. You know, these things happen. Losses happen. When you lose, sometimes, honestly, it's the best thing that can happen. And Till had no answer for it on, on the ground. I'm not going to say Till doesn't have good ju- good jujitsu or good grappling on the floor, but Tyron Woodley looked real good. He looked really, really good. He's looked, you know, I'm not going to say he looked better than he has. It's because he, I, I'm a fan of knockouts and I and I like knockouts more. So I enjoy his knockouts more. But he's look, he looked good. He didn't miss a step. I mean, he's, he's utilizing all the skills that he has, and he's putting them all together. So you know, a big guy like Darren, thick. Muscular, super tall, a lot bigger than Tyron. Um, he, it was a great fight while it lasted. You know, obviously it's, Woodley gets that knockdown. I think in the second round, and you know, ever since, other than that, it's Darren Till covering up. You know, gives him a spot, he leaves him open, and he's able to lock in a Darce out of all the fucking submissions. He picks a Darce. Which is really unique for it. For me, I feel like that's a unique submission. You know, everybody jumps on the rear naked chokes, the arm bars, Kimuras, the guillotine chokes, but a Darce. I haven't, I haven't seen a Darce in a while, so it was fantastic. You know, fuck that. I think that that was the best performance of his career. You know, it was exciting because, you know, it's like reminiscent of George St. Pierre. You know, he talks about his resume. He talks about, you know, he beat Carlos Condit, you know, and he beat Josh Koscheck. He beat Jay Haran. Uh, beat Calvin Gaston, like he said, beat, knocked out Dong Young Kim, who's very, very, uh, tough guy to deal with and hard guy. Not many people can deal with him. Um, and, you no, know, he obviously fought Roy McDonald. I honestly think if they fought again, he would actually win. But I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. But it's alright. Um, ooh, man. It was, Crazy fucking night. At least she's a really fucking fine ass woman walked by. She's like Filipino or something. Pretty fucking hot. Alright, uh, but yeah, like, his resume is amongst the best of the best. And he is right. He has said it. You know, George St. Pierre is best welterweight of all time. He's one of the best fighters of all time. He's gone for four years, comes back, wins the world title, beats Michael Bisping, one of the, one of the best fighters in UFC history. And he wins a world title. Rumor has it he's fighting the winner of Khabib versus McGregor. That's the next UFC big, huge pay-per-view fight. That's the next big thing for GSP. And I'm pretty sure if you pay attention to social media, George St. Pierre looks like a lightweight. So George St. Pierre could be fighting the winner of Khabib versus McGregor, and he can win his third belt. George, see, you realize George St. Pierre comes back. If that is a thing, he will win those glory in all ESC. Welterweight champion, middleweight champion, lightweight champion. Now, does he plan on defending it? I don't think so. He's just in it for the, for the, for the legacy. And perfectly, that's perfectly fine. That, that is perfectly fine. And I don't mind that at all because it's a legacy fight. He's earned it. He's defended the title. More than anyone has at 170 pounds. He's regarded as one of the best of all time. He backed that up with the submission victory over Michael Bisping. By the way, that was another one to add to the list of starting it off with the punches and then locking in the submission. Because that was a beautiful submission by George. Remember, he dropped Michael Bisping, 
playing a lot of uh, ground and pound. Eventually saw an opening. Michael gets up, gives him his neck. George Lance, beautiful rear naked choke and wins the world title. Doesn't defend it, but, you know, he's at that point where he, he does win belts, cash checks, and, you know, live life. He's a superstar. George earns it. So back to what I was saying with Tyron Woodley is that, you know, Tyron Woodley says that he doesn't need to fight George. And, you know, obviously it would be nice to see, but George isn't in it for the freak show fights. He's already won the world to wait. Now he's, he's not in it for, you know, fights like, you know, winning back his world title that he already won. He's on the verge of fighting for a title he's never you know, He's fought at 85, he's fought at 70, and now he's probably going to emerge to 155 pounds too. So, you know, interest in would-be fight doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem like it's, it has any steam behind it, but, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Tyron Woodley. I love Tyron Woodley. And I think that, you know, he can establish his, his resume with or without fighting George. And I think that with Tyron, with everything that Tyron's doing, with everything that he has done so far, you know, he's beaten a lot of good guys. He's beaten a lot of good guys. And he had a great guy in front of him in the form of Till. Till beat Wonderboy. It was obviously a close fight, and people want to scratch their heads on it. But, you know, Till had never really fought too many tough... You know, he's fought tough guys, but he never really had, like, a solid contender. I mean, you know, top contender probably. You know, obviously Cerrone was, like, you know, fighting at lightweight. He was on a losing streak. He you know, hadn't looked good as of late. Um, I think he had, like, a draw with Nicholas Dalby or something, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, he had a lot of quality wins, a lot of knockout victories. You know, he's alleged as one of the next big things. You know, a lot of people were betting against Tyron. A lot of people were betting against Woodley. A lot of people didn't think he had, uh, you know, him being gone for so long, taking a layoff, fighting a young up-and-comer, a young hungry lion with, uh, with the means to kill, with the intentions to be good, with the intentions to be a world champion. And on, unfortunately, it didn't go his way. So Tyron Woodley is fighting the best of the best. I mean, you look at the people he's fought. He's knocked out Robbie Lawler, one of the most vicious strikers and, you know, one of the most complete games. You know, when he made his return back to the UFC and he stopped uh, Josh Koscheck, that was uh, that was an impressive performance. And then all of a sudden we get this Robbie Lawler that mixes it all up so well. You know, he's had two of the best fights in UFC welterweight history. The Carlos Condit fight, uh, as well as uh, the the Rory McDonald fight, or two fights that he won. You know, split decision for Condit. Uh, he beat Rory McDonald by split decision the first time he fought. Second time was one of the best fights of all time. So, you know, it's a vicious guy. It's a ferocious guy. A guy who makes you bad. You, you know, you, you, you got to fight in that fight. You can't take any breaks. Lawler never gives you any breaks. He's a scary guy. Had some fight of the night honors. He looked better than ever. Fights a guy named Tyron Woodley, and boom. First round, knockout. Tyron Woodley gauged distance and lands that beautiful left hand. Knocks Robbie Lawler unconscious. Big, scary Robbie Lawler loses. Then he fights, uh, I think he fights Donald Cerrone after that. Beats Donald Cerrone. It was a fun fight. And then he fights uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. And then he gets injured with a blew out his knee in that fight. Dos Anjos looked absolutely amazing against the Lawler. So Lawler kind of was on a downslope after he lost to Woodley. And now we get Till. He fought Till, big tall guy, reminiscent of Wonder Boy, you know, very loose on his feet, has a great left hand, you know, a lot of great movement, you know, big guy, strong guy, should be fighting at 185 pounds, but it's all right. Because the fact is that, you know, if he can make the weight, that was the biggest thing, that was the biggest question that we talked about was the fact that if he was going to make weight. If he makes weight, we're all good here. If he doesn't, then, you know, there was a backup option. There was Kamaru Usman. That obviously didn't come together, but, you know, thank God that they made weight, and thank God that that fight happened. So going back to Woodley is that as he starts to continue his title reign, we're getting the best of the best in 2018. I mean, you look at his two fights with Stephen Thompson, you look at, you look at Steven Thompson now, he's, he's right there. You know, he's not too far away from the title shot. He's not too far away from title contention at all. By all means, you know, he's right there. One more win could put him in the, in the mix. Necessarily don't know how much, uh, how much of a sell Woodley and Thompson would be, but, uh, he's right there. I mean, now we got the Colby fight. 
and what I was going to say, what I was going to say before that, because I, I, I kind of jumped topics real quick, was because Tyron looks so good, he looked so good, and he's fighting guys that are most complete fighters in 2018. You know, back then, for example, when George fought against, uh, like, you know, Josh Koscheck or Jake Shields, uh, BJ Penn, obviously those are some really good guys, but Carlos Condit, it's a different landscape now, because if George were to fight, you know, if you say for example, if he would have fought Robert, I think Robert would have fucked George St. Pierre up, I think Robert could have done some serious damage to George, I think George knew that, no, I don't think necessarily George was scared, but, you know, I feel that these young guns, can put in hurting on guys at George's of George's stature. I think he can put a hurting on a lot of these younger guys. I think that these younger guys, you know, like uh, you know the young hungry lions that really really want it. You know, there comes a day for everybody to lose, and I wouldn't want to see that. You know, George is in a position to want to defend titles. He wants to win them. And he wants to make money, and he wants to you know get out. So that's exactly what Tyron's doing. Fought Damian Maya, fought Steven Thompson twice, knocked out Robbie Lawler, and now he just defeated Darren Till. And you know, as the UFC starts to evolve a lot more, you're gonna see fights get tougher. You're gonna see guys get tougher and a lot better, a lot younger. I mean, look at all the young people. I mean, Sage debuted in the UFC at 19 years old. You get young fighters like Paige Van Zandt. Um, you get. You get great fighters like Darren Till and Stephen Thompson and, you know, just a bunch of guys that refuse to, to lose, a bunch of guys that refuse to give up, a, a bunch of young, hungry lions that have been training since they were kids, practicing, waiting, and, you know, preparing for moments of greatness. Preparing for, like, the fight, like... Like the Cruz fight, the Cruz and the Garbrandt fight, for example, when, when Cody said that he'd been preparing for Dominic Cruz since he was a young kid, he was the guy to put the halt to the great Dominic Cruz. So there's always that young gun, there's always a young person that I feel can, you know, a young, hungry contender that can put a halt to what you're currently doing. And he was able to do that, which was really fantastic. And exactly what Tyron really did to Darren Till. Darren Till will be back for sure. He's a young guy. He's 25 years old. I don't know if he, if he fights, whether it will be at 170 pounds or 185 pounds. But overall, I do feel that Darren Till will be back. Definitely. Most definitely. By all means, he'll be back better than ever. And it was a, you know, it was a, it's a huge fight. It was a, big, a lot of big implications. It was a, it was a, a lot of pressure on him. Getting some water real quick. What I was going to say at the top of the hour was, um, was it too soon? That's the questions that get thrown out there. Was it too soon or it was too soon? Tyron Woody, uh beat a guy that, you know, took this fight. I don't know. Like People come up with the stupidest excuses. I think it was a flawless performance by Woodley. No scratches. His single, his hot single came out. I beat your ass. It's called that, by the way. And he's, he's, he's rapping with guys like Wiz Khalifa. He's collabing with YB and Namir, if you know who that is. If you're a follower of, uh, of, of the rap music in 2018. Uh, talking to guys like Nelly. I mean, he has his own TV show on TMZ called The, the Hollywood Beatdown with Tyron Woodley. Uh, he's he's tried his hand in a couple of movies as well. He's been in a couple movies. He's in Straight Outta Compton, played a little cameo in there. And I'm pretty sure he's got a lot more things on the horizon. So, as the world champion, you get all these different opportunities. You get a lot more recognition. Champ life is different with the belt versus without. If you're lucky, champ life is the same without the belt. If you lose it or you retire, like... For example, if you're George St. Pierre, 
and you're you don't have a belt. You know your legacy is what means everything. You you, you have a fucking title at middleweight. You have a title at welterweight right now. Anybody sees George St. Pierre on the street? Aren't you George St. Pierre? I'm a big fan of you. Everybody's gonna come up to him. Just because he's not the title holder currently doesn't mean they're not gonna remember what he did or remember his legacy like that. It just all depends on your legacy and what you do. So he has a lot of good stuff going for him. So a lot of good money come in on top of champion pay, on top of fighting. He, he if he were if he wanted to, he could retire right now and probably be fine with with the money he's making. Obviously, I don't think he has any intentions on retiring or anything like that. But, you know, like I said, proud time would be excited. You know, I want to know what's next. What's next? I want to see the Covington fight. Colby Covington finally made some... Uh, he finally... Sorry, I got distracted for a second. He's finally spoke up. He said he wants to see Tyron Woodley at MSG at UFC 230. He claims that the belt was never stripped. I don't think physically that they strip the belt from you, like they go and take the belt, but they just make it to where you're not the champion anymore. Now, I don't know currently. UFC was kind of quiet about it necessarily. Like, I don't know if they did physically strip him of his belt. Not physically, but, you know, rankings-wise and all that. I don't think that, uh, I think that they did, they didn't strip him. I don't know if they really did. But, uh, you know, he still says that the belt's his. He wants to fight Tyron Woodley. That's the next big fight. You know, Tyron Woodley's just running through all these young guns like like they're nothing. He better relax because then he got the Covington fight. Covington fight and uh, Kamaru Usman still in the mix. Um, and, yeah, the Kamaru fight's a good fight, too. I really want to see Kamaru. He definitely is future champion. He is a world champion caliber fighter. Um, if he doesn't get his shot next, I think that Covington will. And that will be a sellable fight because Covington is like a, a, a welterweight version of Chael Sonnen. A little bit more extreme. You know, Chael talks to talk, but Colby is like comes off as a really disrespectful kind of person. Chael has respect where it is. He gives it where it's owed. But Colby comes off as a complete a dickhead and an asshole and you know it doesn't come off as really good to a lot of people so much to the fact that Snoop Dogg confused him for Darren Till and when Tyron Woodley was pounding away on Darren Till after he dropped him landing those vicious elbows Snoop Dogg posted video Darren Till gets pissed probably doesn't know you know after it's, it's after his fight it's after he lost you know he, he, he posts a picture Apologizing to the fans, he posts a picture, and you know it's an okay thing to lose. Like I said, he got confused him for I don't know how, but you know that I mean, shows that Snoop Dogg's not really the biggest follower of mixed martial arts. Obviously, he did the Contender Series with Faber on the Snoop Cast, which was funny as fuck. And that wasn't a forever thing, but you know he he. He, he he did that for a short, brief moment and brief time. But, you know, don't go insulting professional fighters like that. You know, all these guys could mop the floor with Snoop Dogg. You know, he's a subpar, a little bit under subpar when it comes to training. So I'll respect Snoop Dogg, but don't disrespect the fighters like that. So back to what I was saying with Covington. Covington is a sellable fight. Stylistically, it's very interesting. Because, you know, Colby is a great fighter. He's a great competitor. You know, but the style of Tyron Woodley and the style of Colby, like, it doesn't match. I mean, you see RDA hit him with some clean shots. If you if you see Tyron hit him with those kind of shots, he's not going to take those. He's going to go down. He's going to be knocked out. He's not, he's, he's not going to take those shots. And if he can't wrestle him... What is he going to do? He claims to have broken him in training. He claims this. He claims that. It's only a matter of time. It's time to see them fight in the octagon. USA 230 arguably could be the main event. If not, it's rumored. I don't know how, how likely it is. I don't know how much legs this has. But it's rumored that Daniel, or not Daniel, excuse me, uh, John Jones fights Alexander Gustafson. 
at light heavyweight. Winter fights DC. Maybe. That'll be exciting. I want to see that. I've been waiting a long time to see getting that Gustafson versus Jones fight. The first fight was absolutely amazing. So that would sell a lot of tickets. That would sell a lot of fucking tickets. In the UFC 230 main event, think of how much that would make. After a while, I think that would sell something. Because there's a lot of people that have been chomping at the bit to see that fight happen. Because Jones, you got Jones, you got Gustafson. Two of the most popular, two of the best light heavyweights in the world, aside from Cormier. You know, and you get an opportunity to fight them. You get the opportunity to fight. You get an opportunity to rematch. You get an opportunity to headline one of the biggest cards in, in, of the year. One Arguably one of the best cards of the year. Personally, I don't think anything beats the UFC 228, but that's okay. Um, but, you know, it, that, that was rumored. I don't know necessarily if it was confirmed. But it, it was it was a good uh, a good thing to look at. That's the thing. And I'm trying to think, I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, it's crazy. Um, iPhone XS will be historic, but not for the right reasons. I just seen that pop up. So yeah. Gustafson versus Jones. If that doesn't happen, I don't know what the UFC is going to do for a main event. UFC 230. It's not going to be Poirier versus Diaz. I think, yeah, Poirier versus Diaz is a co-main. Uh, they haven't had an official main event. So we'll wait and see what happens. And uh, like I said, I want to see that Covington fight. I don't know. After watching Tyron against Darren Till, it made me feel like no one could beat him right now. Not even Covington. Not if... if if there's somebody that's going to beat Tyron Woodley, it's not Colby Covington. That is just the way that I feel. That's the way I feel. I'm completely honest about it. And that's just what I think. Colby has excellent wrestling. That's all he has, though. The striking When you talk about striking, T-Wood beats him 10 times out of 10. In the striking department. If he doesn't wrestle him, if he wrestles him and it doesn't work, or he, he, Tyron stuffs all the takedowns and, and it just he just fires away, you know, I, I feel that Tyron's going to put a hurting on Colby. It's going to be worse than a Darren Till fight. I can tell you that. We have been talking for 42 minutes and counting about Tyron, about Jessica Andrade, and this has been one of the most exciting podcasts I don't think I've ever had. Uh, but, yeah, enough of that. Okay, what else do we got on there? Jeff Neal, let's get into that one. Jeff Neal looked absolutely, I, I, I mean, like I said, this is what we need. Yes, you need stars. They need people like that. When you have performances like that, it gets fans on the books. It gets fans on your, your train to watch the next fight. Like I said, I could watch each and every one of those fighters fight on that card again. Fight on another card in the future. That's how good of it was. So, you know, Jeff Neal looked good. Suarez, Aljamain Sterling, uh, Zabit Magomed Sharipov, who also says he wants, uh, he wants, uh, Jose Al, or Chad Mendez. He wants Chad Mendez next. You know, Zabit looked good. You know, he's a modern day Bruce Lee. He can do it all on top of the flying switch kicks, his crazy style. His, you know, his unorthodox, uh, his, his movement and stuff, and, you know, his grappling game is really, really good, too. On top of that, not only is his grappling game good, he has good st- a good striking as well. He's kind of, like, reminiscent of what Yair Rodriguez is. Hence, that's what the fight was supposed to be before uh, Yair pulled out with an undisclosed injury. He was supposed to uh, compete against Yair, and that didn't happen. So, you know, unfortunate for him. Brandon Davis steps up, first fighter in UFC, and UFC to reach four bouts in 2018, by the way. Just a little quick little stat brought to you by uh, your mama. But, yeah, so it was overall, it was a great night. It was a great, a great night, great performances, and 
Now we can move along to the former co-main event of UFC 228, which has probably been a great performance too. We would have saw someone win a world title, but let's talk about it. UFC 228. So, according to Ariel Helwani, pretty sure, Nico Montagna, let me see, I'm going to read the report. I don't know necessarily what it, uh, what exactly what she came in as at fight week for, with her weight, you know, you have to come in with a certain percentage, uh, over the weight class or something like that. And you, you can't weigh a certain percentage or, you know, it's a, it's not going to be good. Um, let me see. Yeah. She's only four and two. She came. All right. So it says, quote, this is from bloody elbow. Val, this is Valentina Shevchenko commenting on Nico Montano. It's totally irresponsible to come in 20 pounds over. Okay. So it was 20 pounds over. And Shevchenko, oh, I guess, uh, Montano says that she was forced to take a fight with lying bully Valentina Shevchenko. Okay, quote, this is Valentina. I asked for a fight in November, knowing this, and had some legit people on my side also asking on my behalf. However, the matchmaker, whoever gave me the September date to choose from. So with other another no, this is new, Nico actually. My bad. So with no other choice and with the internet backing a lying bully, Valentina, I was forced to accept the date, or have the threat to get stripped anyway. And now this is Valentina responding to Nico. It makes me laugh so hard. It's the most funniest post I've ever heard in my life. Now she has all the time to speak. Now she can post everything that she wants. Everything that she wants to create. It's like to invent... What? Everything she wants to create. Like to invent everything, but her actions show the same. Nico was pulled out of her title defense due to complications from a bad weight cut. And she got stripped of her world title. Little extreme. We can talk about that. Uh, I, the UFC did lose patience with her for a long time. They gave her the time, of the time and the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. She comes back. Twenty four hours later, she pulls out of the fight due to a complicated weight cut. As a professional mixed martial artist, as as the most uh, the most uh, decorated competitors in all the UFC, and as Biggest organization in the world, as the most professional fighters, you know the biggest organization, the highest, you know the number one, the number one place in all the world, fighting wise, UFC, professional fights. You're on the biggest stage. You got to have the right weight cut. You, you got to know that you're going into the biggest fight of your life, and if it really mattered to you, you you got to do a weight cut. You got to do it proper. You got to do everything properly. So as a champion. It's your job to make weight. Now, it's been alongside for the longest time that the challengers were the ones that didn't make weight. So for a champion to, especially you've been out for over nine months, um, you know, you weren't ready the first time, I think. And, you know, Valentina's called for this fight ever since she's won, which is a while ago. She beat the brakes off of Priscilla Cachoeira, called for the fight with uh, Nico Montano. Once Nico Montano won... The Ultimate Fighter finale and won the belt from the Ultimate Fighter show against Roxanne Modafferi. It was it was basically destiny for Valentina to fight against Nico. So that doesn't happen. We've just been waiting. Valentina's been waiting. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. All these great flyweights fights happen and yet the champion is not nowhere in the books. At least they're not experienced out of anybody I've ever seen. Four and two. Last win was against Modafferi. You know, it was an alright fight. It wasn't one of the most exciting fights, but it was a good performance. Nico brings a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. She has good she has, she has good good striking. You know, great wrestling. You know. She trains out of a good camp, one of the few camps in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Fit fit NH, NHB. Has the likes of Tim Means, producer likes of Carlos Condit. You know, and they're very famous for a lot of their fighters competing in King of the Cage. So Tim Means was King of the Cage World Champion. And Nico, I think, was too. If I'm correct. She came from 
king of the cage or some shit like that. So, yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, we don't know the full story. Now, I haven't listened to all the interviews yet. I'm still catching up on the podcast and all that. But, um, what's it called? You know, it's, uh, it's, um, what's it called? What's the feeling? What was I going to say? It's an unfortunate thing for her to get stripped. You know, obviously the UFC has deadlines, has timetables. They, you know, have expectations and all that. And, uh, you know, uh, and every time I do that, I just know, just, just know that I seem like a fine ass motherfucker walking by me. Um, yeah, like I said, they have deadlines and all that, and that's, you know, you don't meet the deadline, you're gonna get stripped, take the fight, or strip. So, I think that the UFC stripped her because, basically, she has a bad weight cut, quote-unquote bad weight cut, and that's a way out of the fight. She gets pulled. Now, that's just my speculation. You don't necessarily have to agree with me, but I do, that's what I'm thinking. You know, because you think about it. She said that the UFC said take the fight with Valentina or have the possibility of being stripped. So, I'm guessing she didn't want to try to do the weight cut. Maybe she didn't. She came in 20 pounds over. She wants to pull the card with, you know, almost dying for the company. No, you didn't even almost die. It was precautionary reasons. You probably hadn't even started the weight cut. And yet... Here we are. So, unfortunately, that fight falls through. Doesn't happen. I wanted to see that. We don't know if that will ever happen. But now we know that Nico is no longer the world champion at 115 pounds. So now we get to move along to the potential future of that division. It is set. Well, it's not set. It is something that the UFC has talked about. And said that Valentina will fight before the end of this year for a world title. Against who? I don't know. People are campaigning. I see it on Twitter. I had all the candidates. I'd have to go with Jessica I. A lot of people aren't thinking about it. Yoani Young Jacek was thrown in the mix. Who's also 0-2 against Rose Dom Yunus. Just recently won against Tisha Torres. In a great fight. Great performance. Um, but Yoana and Valentina have history. Valentina beat Joanna in Muay Thai. And, you know, Joanna goes and wins the world title in the UFC. Looks absolutely performant. Dominant. You know, I always remember her win over Carla Esparza to win the world title. So it was one of the best performances I've ever seen. And, you know, her legacy. You know, Joanna has a complete, really good legacy. It gives her an opportunity. If the UFC decides to go this route, it gives her the opportunity to win a second belt. I mean, for fuck's sake, ladies and gentlemen, we got a great fight coming up. Chris Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes. Hadn't really necessarily talked about it because I wanted to save it, but we got two fights like that. So if Amanda Nunes beats Chris Cyborg, does she get the next belt? Does she get a belt? Just as if they schedule Valentina and Ro or and Joanna for the women's flyweight belt, the inaugural women's flyweight belt, I'd be happy with that too. Just just uh, depending on. What the UFC is going to do. What the UFC wants. What's going to establish the most ratings. What's going to get the most asses in the seats. It just depends on what they want to do. What makes the most sense. That's why we got matchmakers for a reason. To do and determine these kinds of things. So, what do I think of that fight? Stylistically, that's an amazing fight. I mean, they fought in Muay Thai. Valentina beat her in Muay Thai. And... And, you know, it's a sellable fight. You know, it's a great sellable fight. And, you know, both women obviously can speak. Uh, I think... I think Valentina can speak Spanish. She's very sexy, actually. She's from Russia, a Russian. And, you know, she, she's fucking had over 70 Muay Thai fights or something. She's undefeated in Muay Thai, right? if I'm correct. You know, she's fucking good. Valentina is fucking good. And her sister, Antonina Shevchenko, 
is actually I mean, making her debut in UFC too this year. So that should be really exciting. With the Valentina, the Bullet Sisters, the Shevchenko Sisters, the SSs of the UFC. You got the Diaz brothers, you got the Mangara brothers. Uh, and now we got the Valentina sisters, the Shevchenko sisters. So, yeah, I definitely think that if she doesn't fight uh, against Ioana, which is, you know, that was the first fight that was talked about. Ariel Hawani even put it out that that could be a fight to put. But if that doesn't happen, uh, contender-wise, I'd like Jessica I. Jessica I would be good to fight for the world title again, uh, be fighting. And I think that that would be a good fight, a fun fight. Does she deserve it necessarily? I mean, she just racked up a couple wins in a row after not really winning for a while in the UFC, except for that fight with Leslie Smith where she busted her eardrum. I think I busted her ear. But other than that, I don't really, uh, there's really nothing else. And I think the UFC is all about making real good performances, making really good fights that make the most sense and ones that are going to get the ratings up and get asses in the seat. So far, UFC's doing amazing. I don't know what Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard did to make UFC so fucking great. But put all those people on the same card again. Ask them. Reach out to them. Be like, you know, do you want to fucking be on this card? Jim Miller, uh, Jeff Neal, Tatiana, Suarez, Tyron, Jessica Andrade. Aljamain Sterling, Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Good fucking God. Those people had stellar performances, which was one of the best things ever. It's one of the most, it's stylistically, and as a fan, that's one of the best things I've ever seen. One of the best fights, one of the best um, competitive fights that I have ever seen, so it was a it was great, great, great card, and I'm just, I was excited for it. Uh, but yeah, that's a oh yeah. I'm sorry, I was looking at uh, nine eleven videos popped up on the. Uh, I think we're done with with mixed martial arts. We can carry on to something else for the last uh. I don't know how much minutes we got left, but uh, oh, it's my choice, though. Um, what I was going to say is that, yeah, you know, it's a, it was a crazy thing, in nine, the whole 9-11 thing. This firefighter suited up in full gear and climbed 110 flights of stairs to honor his fallen brothers and sisters. Uh, so like, the, the picture shows a man in a firefighter uniform at Planet Fitness walking up uh, the flight of stairs, the exercise machine. I never got into that one, honestly. And I think, you know, it, 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 it's good that everybody, um, you know, gets together, they mourn the losses of the people, and we all come together. That's the thing. Coming together on tragic days like that, because you live in a country that's so divided. Sadly, people make themselves feel so divided because of the racial problems, because of terrorist acts, because of all the gun shootings, school shootings, uh, drama with the president, people being so negative around the world. So, you know, we have a lot of negativity in this world, ladies and gentlemen. We got a lot of people that are against love and against, I guess, feeling happy with themselves because they, you know, they feel the need to do things or say things or portray things that, you know, shouldn't be portrayed, you know, especially, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole, the whole topic of it, but, you know, there's a lot, some people, you can allude to what I'm talking to, but certain nationalities get it harder than a lot of others, you know. Mexican people, there's black people, not so much white people, but mainly black people and Mexican people. I think a guy, just, a black guy, just got shot in uh, Dallas, Texas, by a, a white uh, female officer the other day, and she was charged with uh, I think where was it, man? Not manslaughter. Let me actually look. 
yeah, the, 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 the world is very a negative, a negative spot. Uh, what is it? Let me look it up. It was that was some breaking news the other day. Uh, you won't believe the way I'm typing it in on Google. I'm typing in so basic, man. Dallas. We'll pull it up. Current events: Dallas police officer could face stiffer charge for killing unarmed neighbor. This guy looks like a. Uh, the guy that she shot, no offense, I don't want to offend anybody, but he looks like a Jordan Peele. If you ever watch Key and Peele on Comedy Central, he kind of looks like a remnants of Jordan Peele. No, it's, it's an unfortunate, obviously, he got shot and stuff, so like shit for saying that, but just saying. All right, so Dallas officer, this is from CNN, so all, res- uh, all respects to CNN. What? You know, give credit where credit's due. Okay, so it says a Dallas police officer stands charged with manslaughter. It was manslaughter. See, I got to go with my my gut. I was right. Manslaughter in the fatal shooting of a man she mistakenly thought was in her apartment. Funny, because how do you know if someone's in? You, you you would know if they're in your apartment versus if they weren't. A lot of these cops are gun are trigger happy, and you know they'll do anything. They they they, they get a sense of power. And uh, their head fills up with bloom, with the helium, and, you know, they're getting a little too ahead of themselves, and they get too gun-happy, and they end up killing innocent people. This is fucking bullshit. It's a crazy world we live in. Okay. The grand jury will be that entitly, entity, entity, entitle, I don't fucking know that word, that will make the final decision in terms of the charge or charges that will come out of this case. Dallas County District Attorney Faith Johnson told reporters... We prepare to present a thorough case to the grand jury of Dallas County so the right decision can be made in this case. Amber Geiger, who is white and was off-duty when she shot Botham Shem Jean, a black man in his apartment. Police said Thursday, Geiger told police she thought she was entering her own apartment and not realizing she was on the wrong floor. How the fuck do you not know what your apartment floor is unless you just barely move there, bitch? This girl's stupid as fuck. That's some fucking bullshit. Um, upon encountering, Jean thought her home was being burglarized and opened fire. Okay, so first and foremost, your ass was in the wrong apartment. Had a gun and fired a gun at an unarmed man, unarmed or black man. Okay, I'm gonna stop reading this because it's gonna make me mad. It's gonna piss me off, but I'm gonna continue. Um, Botham, a 26 year old native of St. Lucia, was unarmed. He died at the hospital. At a hospital, excuse me. Geiger was released from the Kaufman County Jail on Sunday after posting a $300,000 bond. Okay, I'm done reading this. So, it's another thing that happened. This bitch is ugly as fuck, and I hope she dies. I'm sorry, but... Uh, not No, that's kind of uh, brutal. But, you know, I, I wish the worst for her when it comes to jail. She stays in jail for her whole life for manslaughter. Okay, another big, big thing that was in the news the other day. Unfortunately, I don't know which to talk about depressing things towards the end of the podcast. But one of my favorite, favorite people, one of my favorite rappers, you know, someone I followed for a really long time since he was with Ariana Grande a little bit before that, when I watched him in Scary Movie 5. Mac Miller, rapper, producer, you know, actor, in my opinion, passed away earlier this week due to a potential overdose. Now, we don't know what he's overdosed on. No, he did have a history of, you know, you know, uh, abuse, drug abuse, drug addiction. It's not a, it's a real thing. Addiction is real. You know, reach out for help whenever you need it, whenever you feel it's necessary, whenever you feel that you're alone or you're in a dark spot and... And you 
and you don't feel you get the help that you, you feel like you need the help and shit, then you got to reach out for help, honestly. Because it's, it's a devastating game you're playing, and uh, it's, it's a sad, sad situation to be a part of. So he passed away, you know, famous for a song, with Ariana Grande, he, he recently broke up with her not not too long ago. Now, Ariana Grande is now engaged to that 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 stupid ass from a uh, Saturday Night Live, who I think is a complete fucking idiot, goofball. I don't like the guy. Fucking weird. Looks like he stinks like shit. He picks his own nose and eats it or some shit like that. But yeah, you know she's engaged. Um, so Mac Miller passes away. The last ever post he has was him playing uh, So It Goes, one of his songs on his album, I think he released over a month ago. And it was one of the most hardest songs for me to listen to. My heart cracked when I listened to that. So it was a sad moment. And, uh, you know, it's been the last couple of days mourning the loss. And, you know, it sucks because we have a special connection as fans, celebrities. We have a special connection to these guys these guys and these girls so when they die or something happens to them you know we all unite together and wish them the best we all want the best you know addiction's a real thing drugs are a real thing and it's unfortunate 26 years young passes away unfortunately and had a long life to live and there's a fun guy he's a nice come up came off as a really nice guy everybody the whole rap game the whole music world spoke very highly of him and you know he seemed like a great guy and, you know, everybody was talking about it. It was all over Instagram. It was all over Twitter. I found out via Twitter. Can't tell you how many times I found out death, death via Twitter. And I found out Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park on Twitter. And I found out this one. So it's an unfortunate thing. And, you know, we can only wish the best, you know, for anybody that needs help. Reach out. Talk to someone. Get help. And, and you know, if you ever need anything, feel free to reach out. Well, that will do it today, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 154 of the G Meeker MMA Show. I appreciate each and every one of you guys joining. We had a great show. We had a great show. Great time. Appreciate it. Like I said, uh, September 11th morning, the losses of people's families or friends or close ones or loved ones all the people that bust their ass and work their ass to save those lives you know i'm sure the ones that did survive feel absolutely great and you know they're honored and you know we'll all take time to respect them and, and take time to appreciate everything that happened so once again respects everybody that helped respects everyone that helped get all save lives as many lives as they could and, you know, respects to everyone who, you know, who served on that day, respects to all the police officers, firefighters, and all the first responders, and everybody that helped out once again. Like I said, it's Gabriel Hernandez. You know where to find me, at gmeeker underscore MMA on Twitter. At, or no, not underscore, excuse me, I apologize. At gmeeker MMA on Twitter. Instagram, at gmeeker MMA Snapchat at gmeeker underscore MMA, Facebook.com slash GabyBaby123. And on top of that, we will be back next week. More, more to come. Appreciate each and every one of you guys. Follow us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Player.fm, all of the above. I appreciate it. G-Meeker MMA, out, baby.